Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning, good evening, wherever you might be in the world. This is Kalistatzer, or you may know me as C-I-Z-Y, you dig? Look, I have something to say. I broke my laptop. I broke my laptop. My laptop is what I record all of my podcast episodes on using my Blue Yeti mic. That's how I interview people over the phone as I set up my Blue Yeti mic and set up my phone next to it, record into the Blue Yeti mic, which goes into the laptop, and that's where I edit all my podcasts. That's where I do my, you know, edit my posts for Instagram to add audio snippets. Um, It's where I study on. It's where I do my Google Hangouts, my Zoom calls. So it's really unfortunate that I broke it. Um, It's definitely going to have an effect on, you know, the next few weeks or months of this quarantine, but we're going to figure it out. Um, Again, I'm a little disappointed, but at the same time, I'm all good. I'm blessed. I'm grateful that I have a phone that I can record solo podcasts on. I can't interview people on it, but I can record solo podcasts on. Um, So, you know, we're here. We're going to create episodes and we're going to keep the podcast going. And if you guys rock with me, blessings. I'm I'm glad you're rocking with me. If you decide to wait until I get a better mic back and I start interviewing guests again, I totally understand and I respect that. Um, but yeah, man, if you're listening to this episode right now, thank you for tuning in. This is the Culture Talks solo series with Kala Stutzer. Um, and what I'll be doing during this series, and I will continue doing it even when I get my Blue Yeti mic, is two different things. Part of the series, the solo series, is going to be me doing breakdowns on the early history of popular businesses in culture. So when we think about the culture, we think sports, we think sneakers, we think basketball, we think um, streetwear, we think... And, and the companies that surround these things. So when it comes to streetwear, we think Supreme, we think Vilone, we think, uh, you know, Yeezy Wear, we think, uh, uh, you know, designers like Virgil Abloh, um, Ruigi. Um, this is what we think of when we think of the culture, um, when it comes to, you know, popping brands, when it comes to clothing and streetwear. When we think of shoes, we think of Adidas and Yeezy. We think of Adidas with Pharrell's collab. We think of Ivy Park, Beyonce, um, collab with Adidas. We think Run DMC's collab with Adidas. We think all of our, you know, some of our top favorite athletes in, you know, um, in, in soccer, international soccer or football, we think our favorite athletes in basketball, we think our favorite tennis stars. Um, and, you know, there's a, there's a lot that goes around um, the culture or, or there's a lot um, of things that stem from the culture. And I kind of just want to dive deeper into those topics. So one of the ideas I had was to basically break down the early history of these designers, of these companies, of these brands. Um, so today, um, with the first, uh, episode of this series, we're not going to count them episode one or episode two, but you know, this being the first time we're doing, um, a series like this, we are going to be breaking down the early history of Adidas. Um, so for those of you who don't know who is absolutely nobody, but Adidas is a, um, footwear company. Um, they also sell, you know, other merch such as 
you know, jackets, hoodie shirts, shorts, socks, um, everything. So they're, they're an athletic wear. They started as an athletic wear company, um, and, and shoe company, and then, you know, branched out into other products. Um, now, if you if you are a huge fan of Adidas, then I want you to comment below and let me know. Um, I also want to restart the war of Nike versus Adidas, and I want people to comment below. I want you to share this podcast and and really start a conversation or debate around Nike or Adidas. And then I want you to share actual reasons why, not just oh I like it, but actual reasons why you think the company's better better whether it's the way the fabric feels whether it's the way the shoes fit whether it's the design designers behind the um the shoes whether it's the people the companies collab with and endorse i want you to really <clears throat> uh engage in a deeper sorry guys but engage in a deeper conversation around why you think certain companies or brands are better so that we can have discussions and conversations that stem from that or that 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 yeah, that stem from that around marketing, around endor- endorsements, around, um, you know, shifting the culture around. Yeah, so many different things we could talk about if we decide to dive deeper into that topic. Um, with that being said, I hope you guys continue to tune in. This is going to be a short podcast. It's just a short breakdown of the early history of each company that I decided to choose. And yeah, I hope you enjoy. So I'll be back in just a moment and we'll dive right into it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so let's jump right in to the breakdown of the early history of Adidas. So Adidas was founded by Adolf Dassler, who was a German cobbler. A cobbler is a shoemaker, or just translates to somebody who um, mends shoes. He was born in 1900, so what's that, 120 years ago, and passed away in 1978 at the ripe age of 78. Um, Adolf Dassler was the youngest of four. There was three boys, one girl. Um, they came from a family line of weavers and dyers. Um, so, you know, weavers are people who, um, you know, basically exactly what it sounds like, weave threads and, you know, just provide material that goes into making clothes or making certain types of fabrics that um, become a specific product and, you know, people sell. Um, so he comes from a line of weavers, but he decided to abandon the family business and he decided to learn how to stitch. He was learning how to stitch from his father while also um, being an apprentice as a baker at a local bakery. Um, so he did this for a few years when, in his younger years. He, this town that they're from, I don't know how to pronounce it at all, so I'm not even going to try. Horse and Jacks, I don't know. It starts with an H. Um, but it was a small town of, I think... 3,500 or somewhere in those numbers. Um, So, you know, and and if we think about back in those days, trades, learning a trade, learning a skill was super important. So they're, you know, at a young age, you're learning a trade, you're helping around the house, you're helping, you know, with the family business. It's not all about school and university and then all this. It, it, It wasn't that type of lifestyle back then in Germany. Um, So he was learning 
trades at a young age. Like I said, um, he was an apprentice for a baker. He decided to not be a weaver, and, and and he decided to learn how to stitch from his father. So he was really just trying to acquire a variety of skills so that he could, you know, provide for himself and make money. Um, you know, as he got older, um, he had a love for for sports so he played a lot of sports he liked to ski he liked to ice skate he liked to play soccer or football um he liked ski jumping and you know like a typical young kid you know like a typical kid growing up before 18 you're loving sports you enjoy it you really spend a lot of time playing sports along with doing the other things in life whether it's school or whether in his case it's learning a trade um, you know, in your off time, you're spending a lot of time with your local neighborhood kids and playing sports and engaging in activities like this. Um, so, like I said, as he learned to stitch, he decided to use the skills that he acquired from, you know, learning how to stitch from his father to get a job at a local factory mending shoes. Um, this is at the same time he, he decided he didn't want to be a baker um, and that wasn't a passion of his. It was just something he was doing. So he left that and decided to work at a local factory um, mending shoes as a German cobbler. Um, he got a job there because he learned um, how to stitch from his father. And over time, he decided he really wanted to specialize in making felt slippers. Um, felt slippers are kind of a high-end slipper known for their comforting utility. Um and it was something that he specialized in in the factory um, that he was working at. So over over time, you know, the, the family continues learning trades. The family continues working. Um, but one thing his mother decided to do was to start a family side hustle um, by setting up a laundry shed in their backyard where she and her daughter washed the clothes of local, you know, the local neighbors, the local people in the town. Um, the boys, the other three boys were used as delivery boys who, you know, took, helped fold, but then took the clothes and delivered it back to, you know, the local, um, citizens in the town, the local population. Um, they became known as the laundry boys. And that was just another side hustle that, um, Adolf Dassler was doing alongside his stitching and mending job at the local factory. Um, so I think it's just important to share that, he wasn't new to entrepreneurship, you know. Uh, a lot of people in town were learning trades and working for local factories, but also had side hustles on the side, utilizing the skills that they had. And then also in the house, his mother, you know, deciding to open up a, a laundry shed in the back and finding ways to, obviously you have to get the word out there because I know they're not the only laundry shed in ta town, um, but they obviously as a family or as a mom, um, knew how to market their uh, their business. They knew how to um, get business, and they sustained business and made it work. And used the whole family to make the operation run smoothly. So he wasn't new to entrepreneurship, and I just feel like that's a important thing to acknowledge as we move on deeper into this story. Um, as I said, he really enjoyed sports such as soccer, boxing, ice hockey, and ski jumping. And while um, shoemaking at the local factory. You know, I'm sure he had, he was working hard, but also had a lot of time, you know, alone thinking about different ideas that he had. Um, Adolf was naturally innovative, naturally an, um, you know, 
an idea sparker, idea thinker, whatever you want to call him. And one thing he realized while shoemaking was that making specialized shoes for sport may contribute to better performance. So, you know, I'm sure he was, you know, court, you know, associating his job with things he loved to do, such as playing sports. And, you know, correlation is not causation, but in this case it is. Because as we know, at the end of the story, he does end up, you know, launching Adidas, which is launches as a footwear company. Um, so, you know, correlation or the association between his love for sports and then his um, skill that he had as a shoemaker inspired him to kind of think about, how important it might be for shoes to be comfortable or to be specific and 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 specialized for athletes and that that might have potential for improving performance um now although he had this idea at a young age under the age of 18 i assume he was around 16 15 at this time um he did not pursue that or turn that into anything yet um a couple years later he ends up um at the age of 18 getting drafted into the army um, he goes to the army. I believe this is in 1917 or 1918, and he only stays in for about a year. So 1919, it's not like he left, but you know he gets sent back home after one year. And when he returned to his town, he noticed that because of the war, there was a lot of economic devastation. Um, being, you know, a lot of people right now are seeing that this virus, this pandemic, this, um, you know you know, virus war, I guess you could call it, is causing economic devastation. Millions of people are filing for unemployment. Um, There's, you know, a lack of goods at our stores, toilet paper, um, paper towels. There's, you know, the the companies such as Amazon and, and Costco and Aldi's are being overhauled and their warehouses are, you know, getting pulled out of stock so fast. So it's kind of similar to that where there was, you know, an economic devastation, the economy wasn't doing so well. And because of this, his mother had decided to close the laundry business. So when he returns back to town after leaving, he, you know, he had a trade, his family had a shed and a laundry business, you know, things are looking good, the family's being able to make some money when he comes back, the family's struggling, there's not many jobs in the town, there's obvious um, economic devastation, the shed is closed. And you know, things just aren't looking good. But you know, for Adolf, this inspires him. This inspires him to continue his earlier thoughts a few years ago about innovating and creating some shoes, some athletic shoes that are used to improve performance for athletes. So what Adolf decides to do is he decides to use the laundry shed that's no longer being used for laundry and turn it into his own mini shoe factory. Um, so this is the, the shed is you know, what he decides to use um, as a mini factory for him to start, you know, not factory, but mini place for him to start innovating ideas around creating shoes, um, you know, creating for some shoes for athletes. Um, during this time, he does keep a job at the local factory to support his um, startup. But with his off time, this is definitely what he's doing, um, which I think is important to mention, not to turn into a motivational talk or anything. Sorry about that, guys. We had a slight interruption. We had a we had a call. That's the only problem with recording on your phone is you get calls randomly and it interrupts the talking. Um, but 
back to what we were saying, the um, this inspires Adolf to pursue an idea around creating athletic shoes and uses the laundry shed as a shop while keeping his job at the local factory to support his startup. I think it's important to mention that you know, as much as we want to focus all our energy on our startup, that we do need capital to assist with the financial needs of our startup. So keep working your nine to five. Um, if your business isn't blowing up and you're not making more money than you're making at your regular job, don't quit. I have a habit of doing this and I'm working on it and it's definitely effed me over multiple times. So really continue working your nine to five, continue working your day job so that you're able to support your goals. And you know, your job at Denny's, your job as a construction worker may not be your passion, but it's supporting your passion. So it's not about, you know, doing a job that's your passion, but it's about supporting the passion. You need to have capital in order to invest in your startup. So back to the story. Um, you know, as we were talking about the economic devastation, post-war Germany had a lack of materials to build shoes. So one of the issues that he was seeing was a lack of resources, a lack of material to create the shoes and, you know, create the different ideas that were coming to his head in regards to creating shoes for athletes. So one in a, uh, you know, another example of Adolf Dassler being an innovative gentleman is that what he decided decided to do was he began scavenging the um, army debris on, you know, in the outskirts of Germany, where a lot of army debris were for material to create shoes. Um, one of the ways he did that was using army helmets and bread pouches to create the leather soles, and using parachutes as silk for the slippers. So. Um, the man was innovative. He was a, he was a young entrepreneur at at a very young age and knew that that was what he was supposed to do. He, in, and entrepreneurship wasn't popularized back then. It's not, it wasn't looked at as sexy. It probably wasn't even a word back in that time. So this is just him being a natural born killer, a natural born entrepreneur, being innovative, coming up with ideas, not taking no for an answer, creating and, and not giving up when, when, adversity was in his face um he he another example actually of his innovation is during these um times post-war germany there was a lack of electricity and there was a lack of a lot of resources so in the factory um in his shed and then also at the local factory that he was keeping a job at they he um and some of the other workers decided to use pedal power from a stationary bike to um, rig machines and you know provide power for the machines to you know create leather or to continue sewing or to continue doing what they needed to do with the machines that were required for making shoes so these are very innovative times not only for Adolf as a young you know natural born entrepreneur but also just for the community at large you had to come up with innovative ideas to make money to continue making money, continue running your factories, and to continue um, pushing forward during the the you know fall of the economy and during post war Germany. Um, so during this time in the laundry shed is where Adolf Dassler finally produces his first spiked shoes. His um, he used you know some family friends and, and their network to leverage a friend's 
connection to someone else. Uh, the friend's name was Frank. I forgot his last name, but he leveraged that connection to find somebody to forge the spikes. So he created the leather. He created the the you know the covering of the foot, the the uh, the material for the whole entire shoe, and then outsourced and utilized his network to leverage um, a friendship or a connection to get somebody to forge some spikes that he could put inside of his shoes. And he did so, and he produced his first bike shoes. Um, around this time, it's the early 1920s, and in 1923, uh, one of Adolf's older brothers, because um, Adolf is the youngest sibling, I believe. I, I believe Adolf is either the youngest brother or the youngest sibling, but one of Adolf's older brothers, Rudolf, joins the firm, uh, you know, joins... Um, the operation that Adolf is running with the shoe company and joins in 1923. So at this time, I believe Adolf is 23 years old and Rudolf is two to three years older at about 26. The brothers register their shoe factory in 1924 and they call it Dassler Brothers Sports Shoe Factory. So Adidas technically is not launched yet. But again, this is the early history of how the founder, um, you know, started this idea around sports shoes. And so this is just a little backstory. So originally, um, Dassler Dassler Brothers Sports Shoe Factory is the name of early Adidas or early Puma, however you want to speak about it. Um, I say early Adidas or early Puma because as you'll find out here in a few seconds, aka right now, the brother Rudolph um, is the founder of Puma. So them working together and them registering the company under that name is kind of the early foundation of both companies, both Puma and Adidas. And you'll see how both of those companies came about here shortly. So um, Dassler Brothers uh, Shoe Factory um, you know, was local at the time. They were creating shoes for local sports teams in the area. They were creating shoes for, you know, the local kids, for the local young young men and women who were participating in sports, and they were trying them out for themselves and testing the product out themselves. But the company had not yet gone um, into the international spotlight until Adolf Dassler meets Joseph Waitzer, former Olympian athlete and then coach um, in Germany. So when Adolf meets, da- uh, you know, Joseph... Joseph and him develop a relationship. Um, I think that Joseph really was a fan of what Dassler Shoe Company was doing um, with the innovative ideas that they had and saw the potential for you know progress um, in sport if provided with this new footwear. Um, I'm sure you know it's. I'm sure that Adolf, you know, like I said, had been testing the product, had been selling the product and having, you know, people in the local community use the product. So he had a foundation, you know, he had some data that he could provide to the Olympian coach that might encourage him to, you know, get into business with Adolf and which they did. So Adolf gets access through Joseph and Joseph, Joseph, uh, Waitzer kind of becomes a consultant, you could say, for the Dassler brothers. And Adolf gets access to German Olympians pre and during the 1936 Berlin Olympics. Um, you know, pre pre the Olympics during 1927, 1928, and between 1928 and 1936, their relationship um, got jo- uh, 
Adolf, the Dassler Brothers Company, access to putting shoes on uh, Olympians athletes. So they had a few Olympian athletes from Germany in the Los Angeles Olympics in 19, what's that, 32 or something around then. And then in Amsterdam in 1928, they had a few athletes who won some some medals using the Dassler Brothers shoes. So they were beginning to gain traction and beginning to really see their vision or Adolf's vision um, come to reality. So, you know, during this time, they they're 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 working with a lot of German athletes. They haven't yet um, spread out to the rest of the world. But during the 1936 Berlin Olympics, Joseph and Adolf uh, find a way to get in contact with Jesse Owens. And Adolf is able to convince Jesse to wear Dassler Brothers spikes when he performed um, in his next few races. Jesse Owens, as many know, is a historical black figure in sports, but also just you know, worldwide because he's one of the first black Olympic athletes to win big and put on for the United States of America during, you know, obviously segregation, racism, and and all the crazy shit that was happening to people of color during those early times, not only in America, but in the world. So, you know, Jesse Owens was a world world known figure and when he goes on to win four gold medals with the Dassler Brothers shoes, this is the key springboard to launch Adidas or to launch the Dassler Brothers um factory from local to the international spotlight. Um during this time and when they when they get springboarded to the international spotlight, a lot of American athletes start purchasing shoe for, shoes from the Dassler Brothers and they end up selling, you know, around 200,000 or in the 100,000s of shoes consistently each year until the beginning of World War II in 1939, which is three years after the Berlin Berlin Olympics. So for the three years um, prior to the beginning of World War II, they're selling shoes internationally, they're doing well, their factory is running, their name is getting out there, everything's looking up. But, you know, the war starts world war ii starts um i'm sure many of us know the story of world war ii the crazy shit that happened how many people passed away how many countries were involved and of course how much that affected germany and you know how big of a role germany played a part in world war ii so the war plagued the business and production um which kind of put a halt on the business not completely but definitely they were losing profit because of the war um during in may 1933 so this is pre um the berlin olympics and also pre-war the dassler brothers joined the nazi party um this is one way that they thought that they could build the business in which they did because the brothers saw an economic potential in the role that sport played in the nationalist racial nationalist philosophy of hitler um, they decided to try to capitalize off this by joining the political party. And, you know, it was a good choice um, during that time in terms of, you know, money because, you know, Hitler got, um, you know, put in power. Um, he had, you know, a huge focus on sport and, you know, youth um, athletics um, during during their run for a few years. Um, 
And so for a, for a little while there, it really did help the Dassler Brothers company, you know, build out. And um, Adolf Dassler kind of became a coach and provider of shoes for the sports teams under, you know, rule of, you know, Hitler's, you know, crew or philosophy or whatever you want to call it. Under Hitler's rule, they had a lot of sports teams and um, Adolf ended up becoming the coach for a lot of these young sports teams as well as providing the um, footwear for this so this was a good time for the company to build out to really test products to really get their name out there in germany and really get popping and it was working for a little bit until basically the nazi party and the rake became a total war machine and started doing all the crazy things um you know with with the jewish population with you know um killing people the concentration camps and then also going to war with you know the multitude of countries and of course this affects the company and they begin to lose profit again um but during this time you know times of test adolf was still running the factory to the best of his abilities um and you know also during this time like I said, after the the Jesse Owens situation, word of mouth spread to the states and saw an increase in orders, helping them become you know worldwide. So they still had some business coming in from the outside, even though the war was starting to affect that. Um, during the war, the um, factory starts to get used a little bit to create military. Um, machinery to create military products for the military while um, the other side of the factory was continuing to be used as a shoe factory of course that it naturally was but the war plagued the business so bad and production and people going to war and the production line was decreasing and it was becoming difficult to run the company so it became so bad that Adolf actually ended up requesting five prisoners of war to man his production line so you know, like I said, they were involved with the Nazi party, you know, they had prisoners of war, Adolf's production line became so limited that he had to request five prisoners of war to come work his production line to keep the factory still running. Again, not, I thought that was crazy, sorry guys, I'm about to sneeze, but I thought that was crazy because, you know, we don't really know the history behind a lot of these companies, a lot of these founders. And I wonder if like people knew the story more like widely, if they would like reconsider their their purchases in the company. You know how there's like cancel culture nowadays. I know cancel culture didn't exist in the nineteen hundreds, but you know how cancel culture exists nowadays, it kinda makes me wonder if people knew the you know history of the Dassler Brothers shoe company, which ends up turning in partially turning into Adidas, and knew the history of Adolf and his brother being involved in the Nazi political party, and you know supporting the economic endeavors, even though they deny it, which we'll talk about later. Um, if you know people would still support the company. Um, during this time, um, you know it's it's definitely a family business. So he has there's you know Adolf has his sister, has his brother, has cousins working for them, and um, Adolf is definitely obviously to the outside for the people outside looking in the leader of this company, and he's like in power. He's in charge of this company. Um, 
Adolf's brother, though, older brother, kind of goes on a power trip and is a little disappointed and upset about the lack of leadership that that he feels he deserves in the business. And it wasn't exactly that Adolf was not allowing him to have leadership in the company or power. It's just that Adolf came up with the idea and Adolf's the innovator, the idea creator, the 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 starter of it and you know rudolph joined and he's of course helping the company progress but he wants more control he wants more power and he wants people to look at him as the leader of this business and he's not feeling that um during this time where he's feeling a lack of power and a lack of leadership he gets redrafted into the army during the war this enrages um rudolph because rudolph kind of you know remembers uh Adolf getting sent back home to continue working on the factory e- instead of like having to go to war. So when Rudolph gets redrafted, he kind of blames that and and gets enraged on top of that power trip um that he was having before and kind of threatens, well not kind of, definitely threatens Rudolph, I mean Adolf. So Rudolph threatens Adolf um that he'll have the company shut down and you know encourages um, Adolf to seek out a real job and pick up a gun um, and get to war, basically. So the energy is kind of that, from from my perspective, Rudolph was jealous. During the time where Rudolph's jealousy is building, he gets redrafted. He's enraged because his brother Adolf dis- doesn't get redrafted. Um, and, you know, that he's kind of afraid that Adolf's going to take complete control of the business and so he decides to threaten that the company he'll have the you know party you know cancel and shut down the factory which actually does end up happening six months later after he makes this threat not exactly due to the threat but due to what's called what what's called the total war shortest war campaign um this was being ran by the nazi political party and the campaign kind of basically turned all factories into military factories so what ends up happening is the dassler brothers shoe factory gets shut down and revamped and turned into a military factory completely and only producing military machinery and military products um Adolf is instructed to stay there, work there, and help with the, you know, building of, you know, military products and supplying, you know, whatever it was that the military needed. And he doesn't leave the factory, but continues to work his job for the government, for the military at the factory that's no longer the shoe factory, but is a military producing factory. Um, a few years later during the denazification, basically, you know, um, Nazis lose, you know, Germany loses the war, um, and American, uh, associations, American, uh, military starts to come in and they're basically finding out who all was involved in the Nazi political party, who all was involved in war crimes, who was supporting the war crimes and the political party financially, and they're kind of just trying to round up everybody and do, they're doing interviews of people all across the country, bringing people in front of the board, what was your involvement in the political party, what did you do, and kind of classifying them to certain levels of uh, punishment. So there's many different levels. Some, you know, were jail. Some were, um, you know, being sent to other countries for jail. Some were, 
somewhat like probation or house arrests um, where you couldn't you know work for a company you couldn't work anymore you couldn't have a business or you couldn't own certain things so there's many different levels of punishment and uh, you know during this time the the a rift is kind of put between the brothers which was already happening because the older brother was jealous um each seeking to save their themselves you know from being imprisoned or from you know worse punishments from the new government from you know the war crimes that they could have potentially been um you know involved in financially supporting um they could have gotten a lot of trouble and both of them trying to save themselves we don't really know who was telling lies or who was telling the truth but both of them trying to save themselves kind of started snitching and lying on each other's names um and kind of between 1945 and 1947 uh you know Adolf's punished by being on probation from business and he can't own or run any factory or anything like that so he can't do anything with his shoe factory um he's kind of like I don't think they called it court, but you could kind of look at it as battling a court case with, you know, the higher officials and, you know, with the investigative officials trying to, you know, he hired lawyers and things like that and representatives to kind of clear his name so that he was not looked at as like a huge supporter of the political party. Um, He had a lot of local people vouch for him. Um in the community, even local people who were, you know, sufferers of the war, you know, sufferers from the Nazi political party, kind of um, vouched for him and said that he was never involved politically, but really just helped, um, you know, provide shoes and coaching and things like that, from what they remember. And then also, um, he found a way to, you know, let them know that he wasn't working for the factory voluntarily, but was working because he was instructed and had no other option. So um, eventually this gets cleared. He gets cleared of probation and he's allowed to run the company again. Um, But during this time where both brothers were, you know, seeking to save themselves and they were battling the cases and, you know, all the all the problems caused by post-war Germany um, basically forced a huge rift between the brothers, which kind of led to the brothers splitting um, in 1947. which obviously split the company and also split their town aside. Um, And and this is the start of the intense rivalry um, that they held until they died. When they split, um, the Dassler Brothers, you know, Dassler Brothers factory, you know, kind of ceases to exist. Um, One brother owns one factory, another brother owns another factory on the other side of town, and they kind of start their own companies. And this is where Adidas starts. So... Adidas starts in 1949. Um, I think it was called Adidas AG. And Puma is started in 1948, which I think was started as Puma SE. Um, Puma's being ran by Rudolph and his factory and his people on one side of town. Adidas is re- being ran by Adolf um, you know, on his side of town and in his own factory. This not only split the brothers and the family apart, but also split the town apart um local workers local people in town when they would walk past each other would kind of look down and see what shoes people were wearing to see who they were supporting um people 
um, when they would come to work at Rudolph's house, would purposefully wear Adidas so that Rudolph, you know, when they came in the house to work on his house or to work at the factory or to provide something from him, he would notice that they were wearing Adidas and kind of send them down to the basement to grab some Pumas. So people would come up on shoes and they would kind of purposefully do it to finesse to get more Puma shoes and people would do the same to Adolph where they would come in. Um, to Adolf's factory or place of work or or see him and they'd be rocking Pumas and then he would give them Adidas. And it was just a constant rivalry um, that both, you know, both brothers were super serious about. Anytime each, either brother would see the success of another brother or see their shoes or their product, they would be enraged and really do anything to kind of maybe not tear each other down, but to support their business more, to blow their business up or to make their business or make people support them instead of other people. And it was definitely something that, you know, was prevalent in their community. And then little by little, as they started to go international, was prevalent international. And they basically bickered back and forth and really just never talked or really never worked together ever again from 1947 on. Um, And, you know, that was kind of the start of Puma, the start of Adidas. That's the early history of the Dassler brothers. And, Maybe on a future episode, we'll cover, you know, from the the 40s and 50s on and the um, rise of Adidas internationally and, you know, how it dives into culture and things of that nature. Uh, If you enjoyed this podcast so far, you felt like it was informational, you thought it was dope, please let me know so I can make more content like this. Um, And also, please leave comments or shoot me a DM to let me know what companies you want me to break down. What do you want to hear about these companies? Do you want to know the early history? Do you want to know how they make money? Do you want to know um, more about the individuals specifically behind the business? Or do you just want to know about business deals that the business has done? Do you want to know about the endorsement deals? What do you want to know? Just DM me, comment, share with a friend. Let me know. I just really want to create dope content for you guys. As you now know, my laptop's broke, so there's not really a way for me to do interviews until I find someone else's laptop to use or get a new one. Um, So I'll be doing a lot of solo series. Um, some like this, some promoting local businesses, some promoting and bridging the gap between Tanzania and America. And I hope you guys look forward to the future episodes and I hope you enjoyed this and shared it. And it's love from this side. Thank you for tuning into the Culture Talks episode with Kala Stutzer. Please leave a review, like or comment to blow this podcast out the water. Love you guys. Love you so much for listening. And I appreciate you greatly. Have a blessed one. Salud!